2: Good morning, Bucknutters. I'm back. It's Tuesday, March 14th, 2023, I'm pretty sure. Dave Biddle stunning himself in some foreign locale, so I'm carrying the weight along with my friend Steve Hellwagon. Steve, as my kids, uh, my eldest sons himself on the questionable shores of Panama City, I look outside and it is friggin' snowing again. Um Lucky him. We are not going to do a tribute to Dwayne and start with the snow today, but we are going to get rolling here. Going to be a more interesting show than I had thought. Um, there is some really interesting news out there that we will get to. But first, Steve did a tremendous job this year covering the basketball team. You may think uh, this dream job we have is just all, uh, all daisies and sunshine, but I will tell you that covering a team – I figured this out at one point. They had, what, a nine-game losing streak? You went about six weeks without a dub? Yeah. And, uh, let me just tell you something. When you enter a locker room geared to winning games, and they haven't won in six weeks, it is not a fun place to go back every day. You need to learn how to ask terrible questions in different ways, the uh, same question. So now that you've had a chance to kind of soak it all in, where is the program? Um, What did you think of the season? And where do you see it going from here from a personnel perspective? Let's hold off on the coaching discussion uh, for obvious reasons.
3: Yeah, I think that um, any way you want to put it, it was not a good season. I think you could even say it was a terrible season. When it was uh, their first losing season in 19 years, that kind of puts it in perspective, longest losing streak in 25 years, kind of tells you everything that you need to know that this was not what anybody set out for. And it took them, it seems, such a long time to stumble upon a collection of players who would play together and that they played together. That was the problem, I think. Uh, Any, anything, any, thing that you come up with to describe it or explain it, it all just, it, you know, immediately the, the the vocal minority on our message board, or maybe it's a majority. I don't know. I haven't figured out if it's 40% or 60% will immediately come back to that's Holtman's fault. And that's roster management, use of the players, uh, it just didn't come together for this team until it was way past too late, oh, yeah. and that's unfortunate. Now, the only redeeming thing that we can say is that they did win five out of six games before they uh, ran into Rock. Nothing beats Rock on mm-hmm. Saturday in the Big Ten semifinal game against Purdue, and as they labeled him, 7'4", 305-pound Zach Eady the immovable object, Mm. who sets a screen and then Dan goes and stands directly in the middle of the lane for as long as he would like with his arms up in the air asking for the ball.
2: Is there Uh, no such thing as three seconds anymore? I mean, I get it, but – yeah, the okay. that's one of those things where I have my assistant coach stand up and go
3: one, one, two. two. You know, my daughter was in the fourth grade playing a game over here, and uh, I sat off to
2: the side and I said four,
3: right.
2: five. They love that six. The youth seven, refs building our reputation eight. early with the youth refs. I have a similar uh, vibe. Yeah,
3: so you know that that was that was how I handled it yep. back in the day. But <laughs> I know. I know that Holtman was up giving the, you know, the signal, guys, you got to call it, you know, because in the reason, in people, Purdue fans will be like, what's the big deal. It's like, no, come on, man. You know, he has every advantage he needs. Uh, There's a reason it's a rule because if you didn't have that rule, how would you ever be able to play defense? I mean, it's just, you, you can't allow somebody to stand in the middle of the lane The Penn State game, somebody put a tweet up that he was actually in the lane in one stretch for like 12 to 14 seconds. And people have a misnomer about this. It does not reset on a pass. It does not reset unless he completely leaves the lane. The only thing that resets it is a loose ball or a shot. Those are the only two things that reset it. I mean, if there's a loose ball, everybody could go scramble for a loose ball. There's no three seconds on a loose ball. But other than those two things, it never resets. And so, any rate, we're getting off on, on tangents here. But we do. But, but Ohio State basketball, just a terrible, unfortunate season. The only redeeming social value of this is it appears that there is a four-man nucleus of players, three of them freshmen, which is Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, Felix Felix Akpara and the returning center, Zed Key. That's a four-man nucleus that looks pretty good when matched with a four-man group of freshmen who are coming in and hopefully matched with one or two really, really good transfer portal players. That's a team that could contend in the Big Ten next year and maybe get to the Sweet 16. As we've said before on the show, the problem with this coach and this administration, his administration – His fans weren't happy winning 20 games, making the tournament, missing the Sweet 16, not winning the Big Ten. And they have to fight, move heaven and earth just to get back to that and then get to the next level, 25 wins, Big Ten contention, Sweet 16, Elite Eight. So that's the goal. That remains the goal. But unless they go out and get a couple of good transfer for portal players, I can't see that happening next year either.
2: Yeah, I do like the – general vibe of building your program through internal improvement. It's not the easiest thing to do these days, obviously, and I've said this on several shows. It's like we love Bruce Thornton because he's really good and we don't think he's going to the NBA. Um, That's kind of silly at this point that some of what holds him back is what makes us like him as much as we do because the NBA just doesn't have a lot of guys that look like him. Roddy Gale... We but don't I know
3: think, about Bryce Sensabaugh's injury either. I mean,
2: if this is a serious
3: should. enough injury, then maybe he doesn't go to the pros this year.
2: I don't sense it's that serious, though. It would have to be uh, very serious. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't think, yeah. Listen, I'd be as happy as the next guy if Bryce Sensabaugh came back. But I'd also like, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of cash to fall in my backyard right here. Neither one is. Super likely. Uh, let's get to the news of the day. Um, Chris Holtman has been a lightning rod for this team ever since they went into, let's say they went into the tank, where you can say whatever you want about them. Um, there always has been interest in Chris Holtman outside Columbus, sometimes more than inside Columbus, which I find a little bit interesting. Lexington native. His name was bandied about, a lot when uh, Calipari was getting the grips turned to him. And now, Dick Hoops Weiss, for those of you not, uh, haven't been junked out on this stuff for a while, Dick Hoops Weiss is a longtime New York City basketball scribe. His name is Hoops. So, given that, um, he's been around for a while. He has reported overnight that Notre Dame, who was parting ways or has parted ways with Mike Burry after. Good Lord, it feels like at least 20 years. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. um, That Notre Dame has focused in on Chris Holtman to be their next coach. Uh, There was rumors of uh, Mike Bray maybe going to Georgetown and the Big East uh, and the ACC. There's a lot of flux going on out there. Rick is in the mix. But what do you make of this? And I would say... I don't know Chris Holtman personally, or at least well enough to know the answer to this, but if one was going to make a lateral move, given Notre Dame's uh, parochial background, that would be understandable, given his current situation at Ohio State. I mean, he coached in the state of Indiana at Butler. And I'm not saying Ohio State is a sinking ship by any stretch of the imagination, but if he feels like he hasn't been treated correctly here and Notre Dame is trying to welcome him with open arms and you really don't lose much from a basketball perspective, from a national aspect, I think Ohio State's a better program, but it's not, I guess, I mean, you could go to Notre Dame and consider yourself a chance to win. What's your thoughts on the whole thing? And uh, do you think he should
3: take it? Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I think he needs to reconcile in his heart, is he in this for the long haul at Ohio State, as we said, not just to get them back to 20 wins and making the tournament, but to make them a Final Four contender in a perennial Big Ten championship-type program? Does he have what it takes to do that? He's recruited extremely well the last couple of years at the high school level, even if you give him credit for Malachi Branham. That's, that's three pretty good uh, hauls in a row. And so the talent is there if he decides to stay at Ohio State. Uh, the talent is there to make a push. But again, it comes back, I think, to the portal. Their portal record's been not very good, just gotten guys as opposed to difference makers. I use the Illinois example that, you know, Brad Underwood, out of necessity, went out and got three starters from the Big 12 and they're playing in the NCAA tournament, and Ohio State isn't. Mm. So, you know, Notre Dame, I mean, have they been to a Final Four since the mid-'70s with Digger? Does that sound right? I don't think. It does. Yeah, I don't. 80s, LaPonso, 90s. Alfonso Wells is going to through that door. Yeah, I mean, it's been over 40 years since they've really done anything of note. They play in the ACC, which, you know, gives them – Great competition, sure. you know. We can say what we want about the ACC, but you know they have a steady stream of opponents, name brand opponents, that come through there. And that You're on they, TV, I mean, you got the marketing yeah.
2: TV spot.
3: Yeah, they're, they're on TV all the time. I mean, they they they've got a good program, and um, you know they can recruit nationally. It just hasn't been a pedigree of of, of winning big, big, big there. Bray, I think maybe he got to one elite eight, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that
2: sounds right. So, you know, I don't think it's, still it's a better the brand job. name of Notre Dame to me, though. Even though the basketball team isn't great, in terms of him justifying the move, we're just talking about Holtman here. It's not like him going to you know Missouri or another Midwest school that has some talent. It's Notre yeah. Dame. There's some cachet there. I mean,
3: yeah, I think Ohio State's a better job, and it I. Is. Think- that the big 10 with the TV money that's coming in, they have no reason. The players you get, we
2: have had better players than they have.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when they've matched up on the court, Ohio state's generally taken the measure of Notre Dame in the last, you know, they haven't played a lot, but you know, here and there, Um, I, there's also the school of thought. Is he going to do like Mike white at Florida, get out ahead of the posse and go to Georgia, Dana Holgerson, West Virginia football. Got out ahead of the posse and went to, to Houston. of so, Smart. Yeah,
2: I mean – Left Texas for Marquette. Look where he is now. Yeah, of Smart, no doubt. So – This happens. Like, we're not talking about some outlier here. This is a common occurrence in college basketball every year. Guys who are good coaches who, you know, take that I mean, lateral Nick, move, like you said, stay Pittsburgh ahead
3: of – Pittsburgh to TCU. Who does that? Yeah, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> – I'm going to dig in today and see what I can find out about it. But, uh, you know, shake some, shake some trees and see what's out there. But, you know, is there fire to this?
2: Hoopswise is not a fly-by-night guy now.
3: Yeah, he's connected to Jay like, Wright.
2: This is not Sir Yacht, okay? He's, no offense. He's connected to Jay Wright with Philadelphia Hoops. Wow. and uh,
3: He's Jay also Wright. not
2: the kind to get on the, the Twitter unless he's heard it. He, this is not rumor. Someone yeah. has told Hoops Weiss this who matters. That's not yeah. to say it's definitely going to happen. But like I said, this is not the kind of guy you're going to go find out. He has 14 Twitter followers. You know what I mean? He's a student at uh, you know Wright State. That's not – Hoops Weiss is legit despite one of the worst hair pieces of all time. But I didn't say that yeah. on the air. Um, let's take a quick break. And like we said, uh, Steve will be all over this. Uh, one thing I will say, I don't feel like this, this is the kind of thing that's going to go on for too long there's too many openings right now and this is kind of a feeding frenzy so I would imagine this is uh, this is something that's going to come to a head relatively soon. All right let's take a quick break here, come back and answer some of these football questions. All right.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
2: We're already starting to get the Holton questions if he leaves. Give us a chance on that one. Um, Let's talk, we're going to talk a little recruiting here. Actually, you know what? Let's do this one. Tony Davis. Do you think that paying 17, 18, 19 year old kids millions of dollars to play college athletics gets in their way to play to the best of their ability consistently? Basically, NIL, Go. Well, yeah. I mean, I think anytime you inject
3: money into a situation, there are some unforeseen consequences, including, you know, people sitting in a locker room, looking across the way and saying, you know, I'm getting paid, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to be here. I should have X number of shots. You know, these guys, you know, aren't, aren't as good as I am. there will be some innate uh, jealousy and, and, and these type of things in a small group, when everybody knows everybody's business and it's publicized, you know who's hawking what for who or who's doing what. Um, there can be some resentment, and as a coach, you have to work around that, work through that, and make sure that that doesn't uh, deter from the overall goal, which is winning and getting to the national championship and these type of things. So. Yeah, I, I do believe that there is a problem with it. I think that uh, that this rests solely at the feet of the college administrators who never came to grips with it. And, you know, they've opened up a can of worms here that, uh, you know, the toothpaste, they can't put it back in the tube. I mean, it, it is, uh, it's here to stay. So uh, they've got to come up with some, meaningful legislation that, that kind of governs this in some regard while still allowing an open and free flow of, you know, money and opportunity for the players. So, yeah, it's a, it's a mess. It's definitely a mess. And I think some of what we've seen has been rooted in some of that, but uh, you know, I think Ohio state football is a good example of keeping it in the proper perspective. And it hasn't in, to my knowledge, uh, infected that, that environment just yet. I don't know if it was the main cause to blame for why Ohio state wasn't any good this year in basketball, but it certainly didn't help matters. I don't
2: think. You mentioned what it'd be like if the guy gets more shots, wait till you score 18 points, three games in a row. And the guy can paid more than you scores four points, three games in a row. And you go yeah. into the coach's office and they're like, eh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's rough. Football's a little bit different. I would agree. And Ohio State's philosophy, though many people have been against it, not overpaying guys on the way in is going to end up saving them from a lot of this crap, because um, it's much easier to pay for someone who's done something. All right, I am very high on our additions in the secondary via the transfer portal. Davison, and and Jihad Carter to me were ideal pickups on a lot of levels. Matthew Miller. Tends to agree. Let's get Steve's opinion. I think our D will be better, Matthew Miller states. It's too much talent not to be. Styles, Stokes, Ransom at safety. Ed Burke at corner. Tommy and Steel rotate. Hicks, just start Hicks over Steel. D-line will be elite. How do you feel about the way they've patched together the defense? It does seem to be a group with more answers at this point than last year.
3: I agree. I think that last year was very good that a lot of people who were kind of thrust in there the year before were now a year older, wiser, bigger, stronger. And now a lot of those people are coming back. And so this will be their third year uh, as starters for a lot of them and second year in this system. And I think that can only bode well for the bottom line. I think that, you know, I'm not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe, which is you shut down Rutgers, Indiana, Northwestern, Notre Dame, Iowa, five of the worst offenses you've ever seen and you suddenly declare we're back. You know, I'm back in business on Blue Star or whatever, you know, it's like yeah. no. No. We are not going to know that until they go to Ann Arbor right. Thanksgiving weekend and hold them to 20 points. That's that's when you're going to know that it's for real. No easy feat. Yeah, that's when you're gonna know it's for real. So everything this is like Vision Quest with Loud and Swing, everything is pointing to that one moment at the end of the season. Everything
2: else, I mean you gotta beat the stick.
3: Yeah, everything else doesn't matter.
2: Well, what what did he carry on his back? The stick or the shoot? They called it something. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, his on you put red rider on before a football game, lunatic fringe. Yes, fluffed you out your pads. That's a great yes. movie, by the way. You want you want old guys sitting around talking about a good movie? You're going to get some live Madonna. It's uh, that is a great movie. I'm sorry I digress, but I will always digress for vision. Crazy play. for it's, you,
3: it, yes. Uh, ten and one or eleven and zero just seems by a, osmosis with this yeah, team. Yeah. It's going to happen. So even at ten and one, you go in there and you win that game. You're now number two or number three. You're now with a win over, insert name of whoever shows up, whoever's bus pulls in from I-65 on the West, you know, to to, to dock at Lucas Oil Stadium to get their 40-day blowout and go back I-65 That's to sick. wherever the hell they're from. Which is going to uh, happen next year, by
2: the way. Check the rosters out.
3: Yeah, just, just you know, the, the this game was determined in recruiting two years ago. So – uh, you're in the playoff, you win that game, you're in the playoff, yeah. period, over and out. So, to me, that's when we'll know. And you can keep asking, Is it better? Is it better? I don't know. I don't know. I need to see him against somebody who's legit. I don't know. You know, maybe Penn State with Aller will give him some fits, but I, I don't know. I, I don't see anybody on that schedule that's going to test them. Uh, Notre Dame
2: at Notre Dame, possibly, but. You know. Yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting just because of the new quarterback they have, and that kid's a real gamer. Man, yeah. Veteran. You're not gonna be like you remember last year, Tyler Buckner looked like he just stepped off the field at La Jolla Country Day and was you know, he's running it more than passing it. it was a little uh, rough. Yeah. Sam Hartman's gonna step in there and probably throw the ball 40 times. So that should be fun to watch. I agree with you in that. What's funny is the discussion over everything is gonna dovetail to that one game because every question about Ryan day is going to be set up the same way as can he beat Michigan. Now, no one cares about anything else. Um, it's not an easy thing to do to coach under those auspices, by the way, where every week, every question is going to be about something else than the game at hand. So they're going to have to keep their cool. It'd be nice. If, if they have a really good season and get rolling, I think it would take some pressure off them, but.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. We go to those weekly pressers with coach day and, if it's Penn State, he might get two questions about Penn State. But otherwise, right. they never ask about the opponent.
2: I was going to say, yeah, I mean.
3: Never about the opponent.
2: There we got here. Your thoughts on this? Knowles needs to move to a traditional 4-3, if not even a 3-4. Him living and dying by his 4-2 and Jack makes him look like a one-trick pony and not a true defensive coordinator. Hold on. We discussed this before the show briefly. I think people are making a little bit too big of a deal out of the Jack position. Um, I gave my theories that everyone thought it was going to be the answer for Jack Sawyer last year. And when it didn't uh, materialize, we didn't uh, see it as much. I'm not sure that it's, a. and even when you hear Knowles interviewed now, it doesn't seem like he thinks it's a, a an every down position anyway. I know it's now become popular because people are trying to find a way to get CJ Hicks on the field. What's your vibe?
3: yeah it never translated to production uh they tried to play jack sawyer there and whether he was getting swallowed up by blocks or didn't have the instincts to follow the football or whatever it was and i don't think it was really either of those things it just the way it kind of rolled it never materialized into production so it was kind of a position where he could freelance and go and they would program him obviously and say, if you see this, this is their tendency, go make this play. It was kind of like he was supposed to be the tendency breaker. And for whatever reason, it never materialized into production. So uh, with tackles for loss or sacks or, you know, stop third down stops or whatever it was supposed to do, it, it never materialized. So, they're gonna play it straight, which in their mind is the four two five. Uh, the jack was never four, two and a jack. It was three, jack, and two is what it was. I mean, he was always the fourth off defensive lineman. So four, two, five is their mainstay. They played like four, three, maybe five plays a game. And maybe those were in straight, you know, short yardage run situations where you want the extra thumper in there at the line of scrimmage. But uh, to me, um, I didn't have a real problem with the four-two-five. I think the problem with the four-two-five was too often they were putting one or two of those guys in the five in positions that they couldn't defend, and then there was nobody else in the five there to save.
2: Well, especially so, when the second having five guys on the field, the second- yeah, but having five guys in the field in the secondary is supposed to eliminate gaps. That's the whole point. Yes.
3: Yeah, it, it didn't it, didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, they got exploited exploited in the big games, and that can't happen. So, And a lot of this comes back up front. If you give somebody three and four seconds to uh, deliver a ball, they're going to deliver a ball and make a play on you. So uh, they can't cover forever. So I think a lot of it's rooted up front. Larry Johnson needs to have a great year with the defensive line, in my opinion. And uh, I think they will. It's a veteran group. Stay healthy. That's the big thing. You can't afford to lose Tui Maloao or Jack Sawyer, or even Caden Curry, or any of those interior guys for very long. That's for
2: sure. I'd like to see some more out of the interior guys, personally. Uh, Definitely. We hear a lot about the guys, and then when the game comes, i that's the one position where I almost – have a hard time relegating snaps to what I hear
1: you know what I'm saying they fade like, into
3: the background they fade into the oblivion and like, you know maybe they're eating up blockers so others can make plays I don't know but uh, need to see some some plays made up front need to see some plays made they got to change my
2: call if I see that flash come on man that's like you want to you want to change it we were talking hyperbole about him after a few games Tyreek Williams these guys have flash too. Yeah, and they just there's not that consistent feel of like. Look, I'm Last a Cowboys year, fan. Hold on a second. Like I'm a Cowboys fan. Late in the season this year, you know what they did to fix their run defense? Picked up big Hank, and it worked. You, this is mean, Someone 340 in there, man.
3: Yeah, I think. At- T- Tyreek is a is a funny cat. I talked to him at the uh, the Peach Bowl, and you know he was finishing his second year, and I was like, "Well, Tyreek, you're moving into the back half of your." college career here going forward do you do you see yourself as a leader and he just smiled and said i i could be a leader you Brandon. know are you asking leadership? Was, is what leadership is on the table do i could could i be a leader well he just he was, was like, kind of a happy-go-lucky guy he's kind of like well sure why why wow, i could be a leader why not so like, what
2: what does it pay anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah. it was you know it was an interesting conversation mm-hmm. so that's like, the kind of you know, they're not robots. They're not interchangeable drill bits. They are all human beings that come at this thing. And they're kids, man.
2: They're kids. Sometimes you got to right. remember what it's like to be 19 or 20, and these guys are definitely a lot of them. And if you, they're inspirational and, you know, wise beyond their years, but they're still kids. All right, last question. This is a defensive vibe here. I, uh, Jay Bags, again, you're on fire. I hope there's a real competition between Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock for one of those starting starting corner jobs. And then Burke is not just allowed to re-inherit a starting job. Obviously Denzel Burke arrived here as a freshman, a true freshman and played so well early, early that he was the next in line to be drafted. uh, Very high. And that's just bank on the number one corner. And then he came back last year and he was not a number one corner.
3: Yeah. This was funny. Patrick and I were in uh, Chicago and Pat's read me some tweets from different people and, And he and I weren't there Thursday, but somebody who was at practice on Thursday tweeted out Denzel Burke's got the look. He looks like he's ready to be a star again this year. And they tweeted it out. Well, then there was a former Ohio state assistant football coach who will go unnamed, uh, who everybody knows who tweeted out. Oh, you know, bleep bleep sake, uh, Uh, let's tap the brakes. It's two days in jerseys and helmets, you know, show me when they're wearing pads and making plays on the football, that type of thing, you know, kind of like, you know, I I agree that Burke is in a contract year. Like so many of these other guys, if he wants to be in the NFL 12 months, he's got to have a great season. And so I think Hancock Burke and Benison would all benefit from a three man rotation. Like they had a few years ago with some Jair Brown maybe sprinkled in there too cuz I thought he got in there and balled up as a freshman as well so uh good problem to have exactly. and Tim
2: Bolton is going to solve it I think the more the better man I mean we need the more the better the idea that there's a guy sitting who could be playing in the defense 14 game season guys get hurt too so listen this, I've often said this this is a war of attrition if someone would have told you what the skill setup would have been looked like in the fourth quarter of the Georgia game uh, for their skill players heading into the season, you would have been blown away. Think about that for a sec. You wouldn't have spent $1,000 on a
3: flight and $1,000 on a ticket and $2,000 on a hotel. And they were still <laughs> in it. And they were,
2: they were still in it to the they last. Were leading. They were leading. Yeah, so good that Lord. All money. right. Steve is going to go call Hoops Weiss or someone adjacent. And uh, we are going to be all over this Chris Holtman thing. It's going to be very interesting. Know this, people: news does not sit on the dock for long these days. When you hear something come up, it tends to get uh, deliberated quick. So, unless you're Aaron Rodgers, we're going to find out all about you right quick. We appreciate Steve stopping by. Thank the Lord that Dave Biddle will be back tomorrow. Have a good one, Buck Bitters.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or.